Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to this uh, last message that I have for 2017. It's about setting three simple New Year's resolutions. I uh, talked with somebody uh, last week, asked them, what's one of your resolutions in 2018? They said, I'm going to gain 10 pounds. And I said, well, why are you doing that? And they said, well, I do no matter what I resolve, so I'm just going to give in and go that way. And I go, well, that's not a resolution. That's surrender. Uh, somebody else told me, they said, I'm not even going to bother with resolutions. I never keep them. What's the point? And I go, well, I like resolutions. I like it that once a year we can take stock of where we are and say, hey, these are some things I need to change in my life. I want to grow. I want to become more godly. I do. I want to become more godly this year. I want to be more godly at the end of 2018 than I am right now. And I hope you do, too. And if that's your goal, then i got three simple resolutions for us to consider. We're wrapping up a series on simple Christmas. Well, this is a simple New Year's resolution. None of these are rocket science. You'll go, well, okay, I know these things. Well, the question isn't whether we know them. The question is whether we're going to do them and where we're going to get the power to do it. Well, today I want to just give you an idea on some things that will change our lives for the better, and God's going to give us the power to get it done. So I've got good news for you today. We're going to get into 2018 on the right foot. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I've got good news from your word today. Lord, these are things that you want us to embrace. And Lord, I know that when you challenge us to something, Lord, you're the one who gives us the desire and the power to get it done. So Lord, I pray that you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way as we talk about three very important resolutions that will change our lives, change our church if we do them. We're going to need your power, your wisdom. So teach us today and give us the strength to get it done. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Three resolutions. I'm going to start off with the hardest one first. Point one on your outline. Resolved. This year, I will control my tongue. At 8 o'clock, everybody went, ooh. <laughs> okay. It was like, oh, my goodness. Because we all know how hard that is. I mean, resolutions are hard. And this one's tough. Uh, by the way, these three resolutions, I have a selfish motive in sharing these. Because if we took care of these three resolutions I'm giving you today, 50% of all my pastoral counseling would be taken care of. Okay? It would be great. And the first one is our tongues. Is this biblical? Yep. Psalm 17.3. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. Can we uh, read that verse out loud together, please? I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. Oh, man, as soon as we said it, we go, oh, I've made a big resolution there. Good news is, and I'll get to this before we're done, I'll mention this throughout, God's going to give us the power to do it. The question is, will we take stock and say, I need it? Am I willing to admit that I need to control my tongue? Before you answer, let's consider three ways that it's important for us to control our tongues. First of all, in 2018, I will speak the truth. Truth. So put away falsehood, Ephesians 4, 25, and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. Is this important? It's vital. When we start practicing lies, um, by the way, this covers lies, this covers half-truths, this covers exaggerations because a half-truth is a whole lie. Everybody agree with that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of true if you squint and look at it this way. You can see where I was coming from. Uh-uh. Let's speak the truth in love. But what if we did this this next year? Because if we lie, my goodness, that destroys trust. And we talk about it all the time here. It's all about relationships. Our church is about relationships. Having a pleasant workplace where you work is all about relationships. Your classroom, if you're a student, it's all about relationships. If you're going to enjoy anything worthwhile. My family, it's all about relationships. Well, if lies get introduced, 
trust is broken and trust is the lifeblood. If I don't trust you, I, I can't relate with you. I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to tell you anything of significance. The Lord hates those who don't keep their word, but he delights in those who do. Proverbs 12, 22. I mean, keep their word. This even extends to keeping my promises. If I say I'm going to be there, I'll be there. If I say I'm going to volunteer and show up, I'm going to show up. If I know the deadline's there, I'm going to honor the deadline. Man, this is so important that we speak truth. Think how many problems that would take care of all by itself. Point B, I'll build other people up, not tear them down. Don't use foul or abusive language. Ephesians 4.29, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I read you Ephesians 4.25 a little bit earlier about falsehood and this one about building people up rather than tearing them down. They're both out of Ephesians, that's Ephesians 4.29, they're both out of Ephesians 4 under the section where the heading in most Bibles is unity in the body. You want to destroy unity in the body? Two things you can do that'll split a church, they'll split a family, split relationships, split a marriage wide open, start telling lies, and be critical of the other person all the time. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, when Chuck Swindoll was still pastoring a church in California, I had a sister who lived in California who was a member of his church. Went to visit her, and we went to church together, and uh, it was, he was doing a thing on spiritual gifts and the different gifts that people had inside the church, a whole lesson on it. And uh, it was really funny because he said there was a woman that had come up uh, to him after one of the services, and she said, I'm just not sure how to use my spiritual gift here inside of our church. And he said, well, what is your gift? And she said, oh, I have the gift of criticism. I'm good at pointing out what other people do wrong. And he said, oh, I know what you need to do. You need to give that gift back. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Why would I want to go around pointing out everything that everybody's done wrong? Do you need that in your life? I don't in mine. Well, why would I want my tongue to be wagging about everything that everybody else is doing wrong? And that leads us to point C, I will mind my own business. John, that's not in the Bible. Oh, yeah, it is. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you. By the way, that's in every translation. You can look it up. It means mind your own business. So your daily life, here's why, so your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so you won't be dependent on anybody. I mean, what are we talking about with minding your own business? Well, it means don't gossip about things you're not sure of. Why would I do that? It means not getting wrapped around the axle about things that don't concern me. Why am I inserting myself in other people's affairs? Why am I commenting on what's happening in another department? I'm not the supervisor. I'm not in charge of the project. My opinion was never even solicited. So why am I weighing in? And why am I getting all upset over something that happened in Hollywood to some movie star and I don't even know him? Never will. But yet we can have so much joy stolen with our tongues wagging. Well, they put it in my news feed on Facebook. I have to comment. No, we don't. Now look, that note there, I already mentioned in this last verse, in 1 Thessalonians 4.12, but controlling our tongues is vital to our Christian witness so that our daily lives will win the respect of outsiders. James said the same thing. If you claim to be religious but you don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I don't want a worthless religion. I want a powerful witness in 2018 
And so, resolved, this year I will control my tongue. This year I'll control my tongue. Would you say that with me? This year I will control my tongue. Now, we're going to pray about this. We're going to need God's help. And I'm, I'm going to mention that on every one of these points. We cannot do this on our own. The good news is God will help us. He wouldn't encourage us to do it if he's not going to help us. So hang on to that. But before we get to all that, I want to talk about a couple of other resolutions. Point two, resolved, this year I will control my temper. This year I'll control my temper. A fool gives full vent to his anger, Proverbs 29, 11, but a wise man keeps himself under control. A fool gives full vent to his anger. Point A, I'll overlook small offenses. There are three things I can do on this one, too. I can overlook small offenses. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Do you know that in 2018, somebody's probably going to cut you off in traffic? There, I let it out of the bag. It's going to happen. That prophecy will more than likely be fulfilled if you're on the road for more than 10 minutes. So why am I going to get upset over this and let it ruin my day? I'm never even going to see that person again. Why would I do that? I need to let go of small things and overlook a small offense. Point B, I'll listen more and speak less. If I'm going to drain a lot of the heat out of my anger and lengthen my temper so I don't have such a short temper, it begins with listening. James said so. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we are angry, we are stuck in our own opinions. I don't care what you say. This is wrong. I don't care what you say. Well, that's a bad way to start out a discussion. What if we listen? There are so many times we have part of the information, but we don't have all of it. And when I am hot under the collar, listening is the first thing that goes. And that brings us to point C. Then, I, then disagreements don't get resolved, and I need to do that because I need to resolve disagreements quickly. If I want to give the devil access to my thoughts, if I want to give him free reign in my relationships, all I got to do is let anger stay in there. Anger about small things where I'm wrapped around this. Anger when I'm not listening to other people. Anger because I let stuff stew overnight, over a week, over a month, better yet, over a year. Oh, man, the devil's having a heyday. Ephesians 4 again. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, if he can keep us from talking and from working things out for a week, a month, a year, multiple years, he doesn't just have a foothold. Man, he is camping right in the middle of my family, right in the middle of my office, right in the middle of my thoughts. And then even if a great day is ahead of me, I can't enjoy it because I'm still mad about what you did to me last year. I don't have enough trouble coming today. i got to borrow some from last year. Man, if I can just go into 2018 with a whole dump truck load full of all kinds of bitterness and dump it right into January, I'm going to have a better year, said no one ever. Well, why would we do that? This is our opportunity. If we're going to have a, a better year and control our temper, then we've got to resolve disagreements quickly. I mean, think about this again. Look at this next note here. Controlling our tempers is vital to our Christian witness. 
Hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. I'm storming around, foaming at the mouth, angry. What's That's spreading the dissension all over the place. I mean, you understand, just like with the first point then about telling the truth, if I start telling lies, well, now people don't know who to believe, and now people take sides. The same thing happens when I'm going around all angry. Well, yeah, he has a right to be angry. Yeah, yeah. And now I got other people riled up and other people are trying to calm things down. And now we're pitting people in our family or people in our office or people in our church against each other. And the devil is laughing all the way to the bank. Perfect. They'll never get anything done, which is the whole goal for him. He doesn't have to get us all into deep, dark sin. He just has to get us all angry at each other. So we're not praying. And by the way, hey, you want to come to my church? You mean together with those other people you can't stand that you talk about at the office all the time? Yeah, no thanks. I've got enough problem people in my life. I mean, who wants to go to a church like that? Nobody. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Short-tempered people do foolish things. It was about this time of year, my uh, senior year in college, Right before Christmas break, we were having finals, and one of my good friends, bodybuilder, big, strong guy, his girlfriend slighted him in some way. I don't even remember what she did, but he was angry at his girlfriend, and so he turned around and he punched the door. Well, it was a metal door, and he was really strong, and he put a big dent in it, but he also broke a bunch of bones in his right hand. He had to go to the emergency room, had to have a cast on. We're in the middle of finals. He couldn't type papers that were due. He couldn't uh, write with his right hand. He was right-handed. Cost him at least one letter grade in two or three of his classes. He told me and some of the other friends who were with him, he goes, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. And we went, yeah. I mean, how are you going to put a good spin on that? You hit a door. Short-tempered people do foolish things. I don't want to do foolish things in 2018, and neither do you. And that's why I'm going to make a resolution. This year, I will control my temper. Would you say that with me, please? This year, I will control my temper. You're going, I can't do that. Here's the good news. You're going to hear it in a minute. God will help you. God will help me. The question is, are we willing to surrender our tempers? Are we willing to surrender our tones? One more resolution that applies to virtually all of us. Resolved, point three, this year I'm going to live within my means. I'm going to live within my means. Talk about angry conversations. Talk about things that never should be said. Man, we get upside down in our finances. Whew, things can blow apart. So here are things, things that will help us in getting living within our means. First of all, I'll learn to be content. Contentment. True godliness with contentment. This is Paul writing to Timothy. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. We, can take, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. People who long to be rich, they fall into temptation. They're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. Plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary... The vast majority of people in our culture still believe if I have more money, I'll be happy. 
And yet we can find all kinds of professional athletes, all kinds of Hollywood movie stars. We can find people who win the lottery, and they would tell you the money has ruined their lives and they're miserable. True? True? But we deny it. Our culture denies it and says, no, I need more, more, more. If I just have more, I'll be happy. Yet, we know that's not right. That's not necessarily true at all. In fact, the Bible just here said, godliness with contentment should be your goal. Well, how do I, I mean, here are a couple of steps toward contentment. You can write these in the margin. First of all, to get content, I need to count my blessings. Contentment, gratitude is the biggest step toward contentment. I mean, before we go into 2018, before we head into the next year, what if today we took stock of all the blessings we received in 2017? A surgery that went well, a promotion at work, uh, a gift from a friend, our health, our family, food in our stomach, a good job. Oh, there's so many things. A good church, a great neighborhood, a good school. I mean, there's so many things we can give thanks for. And yet, all too often, we only focus on what we don't have, and we don't give thanks for what we already have. Another thing we can do is we can refuse to compare ourselves with others. I mean, don't compare. I mean, think if I go around my whole life comparing what you have. I mean, I like my car just fine until you pull up in yours. Mm, it stinks now. And if I wouldn't be comparing myself, I'd have been fine. And thirdly, I'm going to have to choose contentment. This is an attitude thing. And I have to choose this. Choose not to compare. Choose to count my blessings. And choose to say, hey, my needs are being met. The Lord's been good to me. Abraham Lincoln said, I've discovered that most people are just about as happy as they choose to be. And that's true. In this next year, am I going to choose to be miserable? Am I going to choose to focus on all the things I don't have instead of what I do? I mean, this takes practice. Contentment takes practice. And the Lord will help us. You'll see. Point B, I also need to develop a financial plan. Well, what if God wants me to have more? What if I want to achieve something? That's fine. But develop a plan. Don't just sit and pine away for it and complain. Proverbs says this, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Let's get advisors. If you want to know, we're starting at the end of January here. We're going to be starting financial peace. If you need help in this area, we're starting a financial peace course. It'll be starting at the end of next month. You'll be hearing all about it. It's a nine-week course to help you get your finances in order. We want to help you with this. This could be the year. We can come up with a financial plan. And then we won't be stressed out. But that's a resolution. We've got to say, we're going to do this this year. This will be the year. And thirdly, we can put God first in our finances. Oh, John, you're just saying that because you're a minister, and if you mention that in a sermon five times a year, you get a free microwave and you get to heaven. No, that's not it. That's not it. I mean, this is really what the Bible says. Listen to Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with the first of your wealth, with your wealth, and with the best part of everything you produce, and then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Here's the most amazing thing. When people give to the church and they're tithing, this happens every year. Somebody will do this for the first time. They'll step out in faith. God will convince them, I need to put God first in my finances. And they'll say, I started doing this. And the crazy thing is, 
is that when I started giving, it was like all the rest of my priorities started falling into place. Because I started looking at things that I don't need and saying, you know, if I gave this up and gave that up, I'd have money to give to the Lord's work. And then when I started giving the Lord's work and praying about things, he showed me other things I could align. Not only that, he blessed what I had. And, I mean, it happens every year. Somebody comes in, this is crazy, I've tried this. It's like, it's, re- it's rewired the way I think about money. And God's blessing me as I start lining up with what he wants to do with my funds. And I go, well, yeah, it's always that way. When I surrender any area of my life to him, he has a better plan for it than I do. I mean, what if 2018, God was coming first in my finances? That would help me live within my means. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said the same thing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. Is this important for our Christian witness? Absolutely. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and trust in their money, which is so unreliable. The trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. But if I'm not content myself and I'm just worried about getting more all the time, I won't have any money to give away. If I don't have a financial plan, I won't have any money to give away. If I'm not setting aside money for God's work, I won't have any money to give to his work. And then when people look at me, they go, why do I want your life? You're more stressed about your finances than I am. And that's why it's so important to make this resolution. This year, I'm going to live within my means. Can we say that together, please? This year, I will live within my means. Three resolutions. Here's the key to making any of them or all of them work. The key to successfully keeping resolutions is allowing God's Holy Spirit to fill and control us. You can write the word surrender. That's what it means. I surrender all. I surrender my finances. I surrender my tongue. I surrender my temper. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, Paul, Galatians 5. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. As we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit, he guides us. I mean, think about this. Think if every day I would spend time, before I said my first words to anybody else, I said, Lord, today, today I surrender my tongue to you. Keep me far from things that are not true. Help me build people up rather than tear tear people down. And Lord, help me mind my own business and not gossip. Set a guard over my lips. Please, Lord. What if every day we said, Lord, Today, before I interact with anyone, I know there are going to be some people who are rude to me today. It's likely to happen. And Lord, I can't be responsible for what everybody's attitude is. I can be responsible for how I respond. And so Lord, help me keep a short account. If there's a problem, help me work it out. Lord, I pray to you before I interact with anyone today that I'll listen more than speak. And Lord, help me just overlook small things and not get wrapped around the axle. I mean, what if I did that? This year, every day. And what if I said, Lord, today, I want you to be Lord of my finances. I'm going to pray before I pay. Lord, I'm going to pray about my expenditures. I'm going to pray about my savings. And Lord, I'm asking you to give me a financial plan. And Lord, I'm asking you to give me contentment. And help me not compare myself with everybody else all the time. I don't want to live that way. I mean, what if we did that? I mean, this would be the best year ever. 
And if we did it over and over again, and when we failed, we confessed. We said, Lord, you knew I blew that. My temper was out of whack. Please forgive me. We even go find the other person we blew up on or said things wrong. And Please forgive me. It takes time to learn a new budget. Lord, let me get back on the bike again. Next month we're going to get it right. 2 Thessalonians, Paul talked like this to the Thessalonians. Listen to this. I hope this encourages you. Paul was praying for these Christians who are trying to live the Christian life, trying to do what God said, and he was telling them to surrender. He said, look, here's what we keep praying about for you. We keep praying for you, asking our God, hear this, to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. If God has been prompting you through this message about your tongue or about your temper or about your finances or all three, understand this, that this is why we pray. We pray that God will give us the desire and the power to do it. He'll give us the power to accomplish the good things our faith prompts us to do. If that's good news to you as we head into 2018, would you say amen? Amen. Well, then let's pray about it. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for a new year. I thank you for a chance to evaluate our tongue and our temper and our finances. And God, I just thank you for your word that challenges us with how you want us to live. God, I want to honor you with my tongue. I want to speak truth. I want to build people up and not tear them down. I want to mind my own business, not gossip, not this year. And Lord, I need your help to do it. If that's a desire of your heart, would you just pray right now and say, God, i got to have your help. I surrender my tongue and I ask for power through the Holy Spirit to get this done. God, this year I surrender my temper. Lord, you know I've done things in anger that were foolish, that caused all kinds of dissension. And God, not this year. I don't want to be known for my anger. I want to be known as a person who trusts you. So I surrender my temper. Lord, help me listen more than speak. Help me resolve things quickly and not brew on them. And God, help me overlook small things and not get wrapped around the axle. If that's the desire of your heart, pray now and say, God, I need your help. I can't do this without your power. I've tried on my own and I fail every time. If you help me, I can change. And finally, Father, I just pray that this year I'll live within my means. Father, I pray that you would teach me about contentment. God, remind me of all the blessings that you've already given me. God, I want a good financial plan so I can face the future unafraid. And Father, I really do want to put you first. I don't want to withhold anything from you. You're the one who's given me all I have. Why would I fail to be generous to you? I need your blessing and I need your power. I can't manage my money well on my own. I want to be generous. God, we thank you for your word that gives us guidance. Why would you guide us and challenge us through all these scriptures if you didn't want us to live that way? And why would you challenge us to live that way if you didn't give us the desire and the power to do it? So, Lord, we're coming to you in advance, thanking you for the power you're going to give us to be more than victorious in all these things this next year.
We give 2018 to you before it even happens. Before one minute has passed, we surrender this next year to you and say, Lord, we want to be more godly at the end of this year than we are right now. Make us like Jesus through the power of your spirit. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.